without him Amen. where would you be before he intervened Amen. so many places we all could point to you go around the room and you point in your life and he came and made a difference Amen. and you know what each one is unique each one is unique god bless you good to be in service again tonight i believe that's all the singing will do we'll just go directly to the word tonight let's go first of all to the book of first timothy first timothy chapter three try and move this along quickly. I had been putting together the rest of my PowerPoint, finished at five o'clock and a change, do that, and all of a sudden it wouldn't save. And said, file is corrupt, wouldn't save. And I'm going, okay. And then I thought, I'll just take my laptop, I'll figure it out. And uh, I got this consultant, he's the ambassador at the airport, but he helps me out a little bit. <laughs> Brother Mark. <laughs> Brother Mark is invaluable to this church. <laughs> we appreciate him. But, and then as I'm driving, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to restructure the service. And, you know, all things work for good. So I, I'm kind of doing it different than I planned originally. But as I thought about it, I said, Lord, if that's you, I'm just going to go with it. So, so I'm, I'm going to do it that way. Anyway, we did get it partly going, but I'm changing it around a little bit. So it's all good. It's all in control. Not my control, his control. <laughs> so, First Timothy chapter 3, let's read verse 1. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we thank you for the worship, the singing. Lord, we just want to look at your word, invite you to come, minister to us, Lord. You make yourself known by the breaking of bread. Father, make yourself known tonight one more time. 
Grant it. Bless your people. Bless us together. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I'm going to start the service with a little portion of a tape. Brother Dan, if you want to get that ready, I'm going to read that other verse later here. But if you want to get that ready, this is just this Brother Branham's introduction to church order. And it's just a shorter portion. And uh, we're just going to play that and then we'll go from there. Turn them off. I motion my head to you like that. I motion my head to you. Brethren, we've called this meeting together here tonight for the purpose of knowing how that to operate the church of the living God, which we believe to be a part of this church. And I want to, first thing, I want to say that in my travels around the world, so far as I know, this is one of the most spiritual places where you feel the Spirit of God more than any other place I know. I had two other places in mind that used to be. But so far, we, we don't uh, seem to see those places. One of them has went into the organization, and the other has, uh, has kind of fallen. So uh, I was called uh, yesterday and was told me that you all wanted a meeting to ask me these questions concerning your duties in this church. And I, um, that's what I'm here for tonight, is in, uh, to, to set the church or to give to you the things that I think that, that is what's substantial to make this church to continue on. Brethren, I'm sure that you do realize that is, I've made this remark about uh, this being a spiritual place. It isn't the biggest place in the world. And it isn't what we have the most singing, the most screaming, and the most hollering, or the most uh, speaking in tongues. and things. That isn't it. But it's the quality of the Spirit that operates here in this tabernacle. And so far, I want to command and thank Brother Neville and, and you, brethren, here, trustees and deacons and Sunday school superintendent and all for, for what you have done and helping keeping this away. It's been a long prayer of mine and a desire since a boy to see the church put in order and kept in order. Now, we dedicated the church. I told you a little later I had something to talk to you about how to set this thing in order the way it should be run. And... Um, you started off uh, after leaving here. We had ministers and so forth. But now, Brother Neville, being just young among us, come among us, I thought it'd be better for Brother Neville to get better established in the faith before I presented such things as I'm about to do now. But now, after I find out that he is uh, getting well established in the faith and understands what the doctrine is and, 
and has uh, played the part of a faithful witness to Christ and holding for what we believe to be the truth. I think it's the hour now would be a good time to approach him and among you elders and things here of the church that you would take these orders and remember them. They're the best of my knowledge before God and that I'm looking to you to carry these things out the way that I'm saying it because somebody has to be a head around here. You have to have... Now, I'm not trying to assert authority or something like that, but you see, a man or anything with two heads to it, it doesn't know how to go. God never did have two heads to his church. He never did. It's one head. He always dealt in every generation as we've studied through the scriptures. There's always one individual that he deals with because you get two men, you got two opinions. It's got to come to one final absolute. And my absolute is the Word, the Bible. And as a pastor here of the church, my absolute is the Word. And I, will, I know you are brothers. You kind of look to me to be your absolute. To what, as long as I follow God, as Paul said in the Scripture, you follow me as I follow Christ. And then I'd expect you, brethren, at any time that you see me to get away from this scripture, to come to me privately and tell me where I'm wrong. I don't care if you're one of the trustees or if you're the janitor, whoever you are. You're duty-bound to me as a brother in Christ to tell me when I'm wrong, scripturally. If it's a question, let's sit down and solve it out together. And that's why you've come, I suppose, to me tonight, brought me in here, is because that there's questions here that seems to be questioning you in your mind. For the things that I have, have here, I remember, brother, I don't know, there's no name signed on any of these tickets, but and they're wrote, and I can't, don't know who wrote them, but there are questions that's on your mind, and I'm here to answer them to the best of my knowledge. And remember, God is looking to me to see that I stay in the Word. And I'm looking to you to see that you carry out the Word in this church and keep it spiritual. For remember, all the forces of, of the dark kingdom of Satan will be turned against you as you begin to grow in the Lord. And you must be soldiers, not just fresh recruits. You're aged soldiers now. I've been trained to fight. And... Satan will come among you, cause you to dispute with one another if you can. Turn him down. Just immediately, you're brethren. And it's the enemy. And we're here to hold a standard in this evening light time that when the world is darkened and the whole church kingdom is going into the council of churches, and pretty soon they'll try to tack a sign on this door, you're closed. And then we're going to have to meet other places because they'll certainly close these churches one of these days if we don't take the mark of the beast and uh, we're depending on staying true to God till death sets us free and that's what we intend to do now straight to the and I would ask that if ever a time that any of these things come into question that this tape may be played before the members of this church at your meetings or prayer of the meeting just before the meeting starts turn this tape on and play it and may the congregation here understand that these men 
are duty-bound to God as their oath in this church to help hold these principles. You may disagree with them. And if I let you run it, then I disagree with you. We've got to have some source somewhere where there's got to be a, an ultimate. And as best that I know, I'm giving it under the Holy Spirit, letting Him be my ultimate, and let this tape be your ultimate on these questions. Amen. That's the truth. <laughs> and that's what we desire in our hearts. Amen. Well, we're not the prophet, but we are following the message of the prophet. I want to move along, but I want to, I'll be a little bit more open about some things tonight. And those things aren't always easy, but I'm gonna, I feel it's necessary. So I'm, I want to just say, I've mentioned on several occasions that if you ever have a question, please come and ask me. And a couple people have, other people haven't, but that's okay. I, I might be intimidating, but I don't want to be intimidating. And, uh, but I want to do as Brother Branham did here. And at the beginning of this, he said, if you have a question, he says, you don't have to sign your name. You can put a question down and you can put it in a box, and I'll answer them, he said, to the best of your knowledge. So I'm, doing, I'm giving the same opportunity to the church, and there's a little box at the back here, and if you have a question and you would like to write it down, I will certainly endeavor to answer it, be it on Wednesday or, or next Sunday or whatever we can do. Maybe it gets answered tonight, but I, I feel that's the way he was. He was open, he was transparent, and we need to be the same way. And we want to have an atmosphere where we can communicate. And if you can communicate, then you build faith, and, and faith builds trust. And this isn't just about rules, and you've got to follow this. It's, it's on a higher level than that. And we are, we're all going to work together. And as he said, the forces of darkness are more and more against us. And as we're aged soldiers, and some of you are, and so am I, we need to recognize that the enemy will try and do different things to come against us. So I, I mentioned that, so that's available, and the Lord willing, I'll try and answer that as, as best as I can. Brother Dan, if you can put on the PowerPoint, please. Okay, so we did get this to work, but I couldn't do everything I wanted, so I'm going to um, do it in a little different manner, and, uh, but we'll just follow through directly from this morning. So this is, if I, I want to encourage you, this is directly out of Anti-Message Tabernacles bylaws. They're available in a binder in the office, and you can flip through them, and you can read them. It's about seven pages. We also have about, uh, I don't know how many pages of quotations that back it up. They're scriptural things, but I'm just going to take a couple of portions of this today, more so not to cover the whole thing, but a couple of portions that are relative to where we're at. So it would, it would, it's under a section called Divine Church Order. He says, we believe that, the, 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 sorry, the bylaws say, we believe that the order laid down in the Word of God in each church be sovereign in itself. Under the supervision of the pastor and the duly elected officers, those to carry out their duties and responsibilities for which they were chosen. 
the local church, anti-message tabernacle, here and referred to as ETMT, shall therefore consist of believers, a pastor, and duly elected officers according to the word of God, all working and cooperating together for the good of the people and for the glory of God. Amen. We, we want to move together. We need to all move together. I, a brother in the States told me years ago, he said, and he had, um, he talked, he kind of was, I think what they call them, those Belgian horses, they're kind of like plow horses, and he said, if you get two of them, one of them can pull 8,000, uh, and he says, if you pull two, if you put two of them together, working in tandem, mathematics should tell you they would pull 16,000. But that's not true. Two of them working together can pull 24,000. So that's more if you're going the same direction. And then if you actually train them, they can pull up to 32,000. So that's a good principle. Okay, I, w- I want to move this to the next part. So there's some scriptures that are there. We read some of these this morning, but they're in our bylaws. So uh, Jeremiah 23, verse 4, I'll set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. They'll fear no more. We read that this morning. Philippians chapter 1, there's a few other scriptures. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Jesus Christ which are at Philippi with the, Philippi with the bishops and deacons. So he's referring to the order that has been set in the New Testament church. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, which all that in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, with theirs and ours. So both theirs and ours. So that's, this is uh, what's all in our bylaws. So I'm encouraging you, that's the foundation for what we've done. So under the section that we have for congregation, it gives obligations for the congregation. Hebrews 13, 7, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And in verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you, submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must Give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. First Thessalonians 5, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor over you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. You know, you go through these scriptures and you read the word of God, and you know what it does? It washes us. It cleans us. It gives us faith for what we are doing. First Timothy 5, verse 1, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, the younger men as brethren. Office of the pastor, Jeremiah 3, verse 15, I will give you pastors according to mine own heart, to mine heart, that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And when they had ordained them, Acts 14, 23, elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed, Ephesians 4, verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some, uh, I can't read quite back there, and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors 
and teachers. We're all very familiar with that. Okay, um, I, I'm going to, I also want to just read First Peter. We already read First Thessalonians 5, but it says, The elders that are among you I exhort. Now this is Peter speaking, and he wasn't the apostle, but you know one thing I like about Peter? Even though he may have said, I was with Jesus, I did this, and I knew him. Paul, you didn't know all of this. But Peter recognized what God had placed in Paul. He did not just take the natural or the carnal way of saying it. So he said, the elders which are among you. Now, this is Peter saying, I'm also an elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Why would Peter say that? Because Jesus was speaking to him in John 21, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. So that was Jesus talking to him. He says, now feed them, taking the oversight, not by thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So under our bylaws, this is what's written under the office of a pastor, and, and the associate is very much the same. You're welcome to read that. I shared that with you at the business meeting that we had back in May, but it says this, the office of the pastor, as elected by the members of ETMT, is responsible to conduct and act upon any program which he believes according to the plan of God, according to the Word of God for ETMT. That may mean in this church... It may mean in youth meetings, that may mean in other gatherings, that mean in prayer meetings, in regular services, that may be, you know, in what speakers come in, and, and I would say Brother Harold gave us a very good example of that. He didn't take in just speakers that were like him, but he brought in different speakers. He brought in teachers, he brought in evangelists, and he did it for the well-being of the church, and we want to do that. Okay, and and I, I believe that's what we carry on and, and do that. I think there's been a good example. So, And it, it isn't just a church either. It's also where we, we go with the gospel, with Mark 16, preach the gospel in all the world. That's missions, whether it's locally, whether it's overseas, whether it's supporting in books and printing, whether it's, it's, it's in doing those things. That's all a part of that. He shall assume full authority and responsibility for promoting the spiritual welfare of the church. He shall be the head of the associate pastor, the deacon board, the trustee board, and the church body itself. He shall act in wisdom to lead God's saints and manifest love towards all the saints and their burdens, conducting himself in perfect servitude of which God has called and placed him to act upon." If we would just analyze all those words and then I would read them, I would just kind of say, that's a pretty awesome responsibility. And there's no way a man could do that in himself except the Spirit of God would help the man. 
Those having the divine call of the Lord to work to the work of the ministry and having been recognized by their labors, their lives and ministry bearing fruit of the divine call of God, being held in high esteem by both they of the church and they that are without, he with duly elected officers shall therefore take the oversight of the Lord, the church giving respect to their pastor. Pastors to remember to feed the flock of God over which the Holy Ghost has made you the overseer. Serving and dispensing of the Lord's Supper, officiating at weddings, conducting funerals, and comforting of those that are left to mourn, always watching and caring as they who shall one day give an account. And Brother Branham would say, the man always gives account for the woman. That's in a marriage relationship. The same is in a church. The pastor, the oversight, they will give an account for what has been ministered, for what has been allowed, what has been done. That, that will be an account that's required. Okay, this is where we started, qualification. So I'm going to just take this a little bit slower, and I'm going to, uh, this is, as I couldn't get my PowerPoint to work, I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is how I will approach, and I am. So this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop must be blameless. Doesn't mean he's sinless. Doesn't mean he doesn't make mistakes. He makes mistakes. We all make mistakes. But the point is, it's not his desire to do so. The husband of one wife. I've always had difficulty when we've had our ministers breakfast here at our convention because we say we invite the ministers and their wives. And I say, I have to qualify that. I said, you bring one wife, but many ministers bring one wife, all of them, that makes it wives. So <laughs> I don't know why it always sticks with me that way, but <laughs> the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, so sober is not just drunken, but sober in thought, you know, and, and, and such of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Now, if you actually take all of these qualifications, some of them relate to deacons, okay? And, 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 and it shows that there's a parallel between the ministerial office and the deacon office. So, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, good behavior, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, so... That would be akin to what we took when we talked about the shepherd versus a hireling. A hireling is somebody who is just paid to watch over the sheep, but he doesn't have the, the full, uh, if I can call it, burden of watching over the sheep. A hireling says, well, that's my job, and, and you know, and, and Brother Brandon would talk how many ministers would just use it for a meal ticket. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to back up, and I'm not here to, to, I don't have a resume or anything I can give you, but I'm just going to share some things. And, and from the very beginning, from the time I started here at the church, and, and I ministered first, a little bit was for a youth meeting, and then thereafter I went with Brother Harold to Africa the first time. 
And, and I was with Brother Harold for three weeks, and then I was there for another two weeks after, and I was with Brother Harold in Kenya. I was with him in, in uh, Tanzania, also in Malawi, and uh, then he journeyed back, uh, and, and I was with Sister Marlene at that time, and, and then I went a little further to West Africa for a couple of weeks. But when I did that, I did it because I felt a burden. I always had a yearning and a desire to do that. I didn't ask the church. I paid for that with my own. And I did it because I wanted to do it. And, and I've, I've seen other brothers, and, you know, we can, we can expense out everything, but I, don't, I believe sometimes you don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. There's times that you just do what you do for the Lord, not looking for reward, not looking for payment, not looking for things. And, and I will say over the years, and I'll just summarize it this way, I received a regular offering when I, I, I would minister, and I did that for many years, that Brother Harold would do that for the ministers and give them a little offering, a love offering as we would call it. And, and I, I really didn't even have any kind of a salary till I was actually voted in as the associate pastor. So in, in that, many times there was other things that we did, but I, I'm just saying that to be open. It wasn't that I, I was, was looking for it in terms of financial reimbursement. So I'm not saying that it's filthy lucre, but I'm just saying is if that's the goal, it's the wrong goal. It, it needs to be more of a thought of service, okay? Now, patient, not a brawler, not covetous. You know, that doesn't mean you can't wrestle with your kids or do something like that. That's not what it's referring to. But not covetous, one that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. So somebody would ask a question and say, well, you know, what, what do you talk when you say children? Is that, does it mean children that are four, five years old? What's, what's the age limit? What's the time limit? And, and I would say it's those that are, in your house that are, you have an <clears throat> ability to exercise parental judgment, that they're, they're not free moral agents. They are all free moral agents, but you, they, they are not at a point where they make a decision. And I say that because of, and, and just to be honest, what's happened with one of my sons and, and, and over that, so somebody asked the question, well, I, if, if that's a disqualification, Brother Branham would have been disqualified with Billy Paul. Because it was about the same time that Billy Paul went through things. But Brother Branham was a friend to him. He wasn't just, it was a father-son, but he was a friend to him. And there are other brothers. I, I, can, I don't want to mention names. I'm not into name dropping. But there are brothers that I've known over the years that have had issues and dealt with things. And God has worked it for good. And, and brought it about and, and it's encouraged me because that's not, not easy. But I say that is an example that was set forth. There's a track record. So one that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Okay, so at, at a certain point, they're out from your domain, so to speak. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God. Okay, so there's a principle there. And, and, and I'm, I'll just back up. A man that is going to be a minister, you know, just going out, does not have to be married. Okay? 
But a pastor, a deacon, should be married. They should understand the issues that are faced by families in a church. And you won't know that if you don't have children. You might just say, you know, just, just line them up. Just, no, it isn't that way. You know, we, I, I, I just share this with you briefly, just as I, I relax a little bit. But it's not a rule. It's not a dogma. But, you know, the brothers who minister typically in the morning are the married brothers. Sorry, Brother Max. There'll be a time. You will minister in the morning. And so we were, we were running into an issue with the wedding in Saskatchewan on uh, November 12th. And if Brother John is listening, driving back, the offer's still open. But we were running into an issue, okay, who's going to be back here for November 13th to preach in the morning? And then it came up, well, John will be married. <laughs> So anyway, Brother John has uh, declined. <laughs> but Brother John, if you're listening, he's driving home from Saskatchewan. It's still open. Still open if you feel to do so. Uh, don't make this a precedent, but when I went on my honeymoon with my wife, I actually ended up ministering. That's not a precedent. It just worked out that way, but at any rate. So uh, it's talking about what the qualifications are. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. There's, you know, life has a way of, of doing things with, with you. You know, you can, we live in a season where the rapturing, the, the revelation of the message, I never caught it at the level some young brothers catch it now. It, 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 because it's increased exponentially. It's the season of, of a rapid growth. And with the growth, you know, wow, I got this. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, I never got that that quick. And why was I so slow? And, you know, then I'm always reminded that the snail had to start its journey to the ark a lot quicker than, than the others. So I thought, well, that's, that's where I have to place myself. But the... You know, you, you can catch it, and if, you, if you're not careful, you can think, oh, man, God is using me. I'm, I'm the one, and, 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 and you know what? This next service, I'm sure if I preach it, it's going to put the church into the rapture. Hey, don't think that's never crossed a, minister, a young minister's mind. And, and you have that, but you know, life has a way of giving you trials and knocking things out, and you realize, I'm just one part of all of this. I'm not every part of it. I'm, I'm just one part. You know, Brother Max, uh, Sister Terry, you, you had that, uh, wherever she is, you had played that special, but when Brother Max uh, had that service about the music, it actually kind of st stuck with me, and then I ended up taking, not, not from that message directly, but a little part of it when I was in Canistano, and it, and it was just a thought. And, and you know, you're part of a symphony. You're not... You, not one of us is the whole symphony. The composer, he's the director, and, and he has every part playing. And every part, you know, we don't, we don't have everything within ourselves. So, so not a novice being, yes, being lifted up with pride, and that can happen very easily, and you can jump in, and, and, and we were talking with the brothers, and, you know, Brother Branham says some things in the message that, it's very easy for us to pick up on, but we didn't have the office of a prophet. We didn't have the character 
to even say what he was saying. So even for us to have the liberty to say it the way he said it sometimes, and I believe we can say everything he does, but there's things that he could say with authority that we as, as younger, as, as under that, couldn't say. Okay, moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Okay, I'm, I'm going to just stop here for a moment because there was a question somebody had put in a box and, and, and I'm going to ask and somebody asked and said, what does the message say about having a business and ministering? And it doesn't really say anything. If you want to do it that way, if you want to take it, it's all in how we approach it. So let me, let me, let me just take a few moments to, to just share this because I'm, I'm, I'm being open about it. Paul was a tent maker, but he wasn't a tent maker first. He was an apostle first. And, and years ago when I was, uh, I was at a wedding and the brother who invited me, he put me across from the local brother, the minister, and we chatted and the, and the brother was a minister for many years and he also had business and, and I asked him right away, I said, how do you do that or how do you balance that off? Because there's some quotations where Brother Ram said, businessmen have no business in the pulpit. And, and, it, and then I kind of thought, well, but, and, and Brother Harold, and I talked about that, and it was, was good. He said, well, that's, that's, that's different. It was the, 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 gospel, the full gospel businessmen. So, but it, it, was, it was, as I was talking with the brother, he, and he said, the key to it, he said, is don't let it, the business run you but you run it. You use it for the kingdom of God. And he cited the example. He said, Abraham had 357 trained servants. That, that was a little business, but he said, that was used for the kingdom of God. And, and I've, at different intervals, I've, I've, I've come to this question, and, I, and I've come to it, so I'm going to just give you a couple of intervals. And so that was one way back. It was a number of years ago as my responsibility here at the church increased, and this is probably talking about 12, 15 years ago, and, and I was looking at it. Actually, I had an event that happened to me when I had cancer, and after that, I, I, I just worked a five-day week. I'd, I'd worked extra hours before that, so I just worked a five-day week, and I said, I'm not doing that anymore, and it was, it was a way of, of me dealing with that. Well, and, and then it was, you know, just, just at that time, I, I was praying about it. And I remember I was just seeking the Lord, and I was looking for an answer, saying, Lord, do I just give this up? Do I just allow this? You know, and, and what would you have? And it was that time within probably a week and a half to two weeks of that, that I ended up having a call to go over to the Ukraine for a uh, uh, business that was with, with a house design for um, the individual, built a very large house in Saskatchewan. But in doing that, I was there for four days with him, and I said, if I go, and I made this a mandate, I'd like to go and visit the believers in Donetsk, the Russian believers, and there was a church there. And he said, absolutely, no problem. And it was like the two piggybacked together 
And that gave me peace on that for a while because it was an answer to prayer. And God used it. And I will say over the years, because I haven't been in a nine-to-five job, I haven't been at a place where I'm demanded to be at a desk, I've always been at a place where I can leave at any time. I can go, and if there was somebody in the hospital, I was able to go. And, and I would say that if I needed to go on a weekend or trip, it wasn't a challenge to have to try and pick up and do it. Now, that's a juggling act sometimes, to be honest, too. But I will say I had that liberty, and I thank God for that. It was some years back that uh, a brother came, and we were standing in my office, and I had him over at my office. And sometimes my office is also my study. It's also my prayer chamber. I have a little office on the West End. It's a place where on Wednesday I do things. So it's, it's, it actually doubles not just as a work office, it doubles as, as something else. So I, I went, and, and the brother was here, and I remember the place we stood, and he was looking at it, and then he was just looking at what was coming down the road, and he says, and he said, let's have a word of prayer, Brother Ed. And we prayed, and he took my hand, and, and we just prayed, and he said, Lord, you are the CEO of this company. You have Brother Ed, you know all these things, and you know how long this will be until what time and what season. And, and it took me great comfort because I'll come back to this in a minute. And, and I remember the place that we were standing and where we were. And I always held that and I thought, you know, it, it was just, just him having insight. So a little while later, you know, as again, responsibilities increased, I had two employees, both were Christians. One was a senior employee and and he came to me, and he, he was the son of a Baptist uh, pastor, and he understood and he knew what it was like growing up in a, in a minister's home. And he said to me, he said, and he, he just came and he volunteered it, and he said, Ed, I know you're busy on the weekend, but you know on Mondays, if you need to take the day off or half a day or whatever you need to do, I'll make sure I'm here and keep everything covered. And he said, I haven't served the Lord as good as I could have, but maybe this is my way of doing that. And so ever since that time, and this is about six, seven years ago, I've actually never really gone in Monday mornings, sometimes not even Mondays at all. But, and I tried to do it sometimes, and I thought just to cover it, and it never worked. And I realized it was God that did that. And I thank the Lord for that. And, and it was a blessing to me. To because there's, there's some Mondays like, hey, you're a wipeout. You're, you're, you're not there. You're, and, and anyway, that was a part of it. I also had another employee, and she was an administrator for us. And she'd gave, she had got a notice to get a job. And her job was an older job she used to have with the government. And she let me know, listen, Ed, I want to let you know I've got a job offer. And it's offering me considerable more money than you're paying me. And, and she was a Christian, and, and she really was a big help to us. And, and she said, I'm, I'm letting you know I'm praying about it. And I said, fine, thank you. And uh, she came back after 10 days. She said, I've prayed about this, and I believe that the Lord wants me to stay here, even though there would have been a lot. So I've seen different times, different places where God has been able to, to do that. And I thank the Lord for it. And again, um, you know, different brothers have, have different views on it. There's, 
I, I find that even some ministers, they, they have other things they do. Brother Donnie Reagan does woodworking. Uh, Brother Tim Pruitt used to raise goats. Um, other brothers keep a little something because it keeps you, you need something else other than being completely in the Word. And, there, and there's something about it that you can be relaxed in doing that. So it, it's come to a place, you know, over the last uh, a few years, and especially since the five-year mark, um, I've, I've, I've now kind of done it where quite often I'm not coming in mornings. I've got two employees that are quite, quite good, and we're actually making plans more and more for them. They've got some ambitions, and, and if I wouldn't, they, they would probably take those ambitions elsewhere, but we're working towards where they themselves will be taking it over, and so there's been some plans made. Um, when I made the announcement back in May uh, about I had some things I needed to make sure that were clear, and this was one of them. This was my level of work, and so there's been a few things that have happened. One, um, I, we have a, a condo that I'm, I'm kind of tied in on, on, on a lease with, and we've actually had somebody who came, who was also a Christian, and, and they're actually going to share that burden, and I won't have the whole burden of it. They're kind of sharing that space. So that was a blessing to me, and that's happening December 15th. Then I've also had, um, uh, I've been part of that association. There's a condo association. They had me as president. I was able to resign that. They have somebody else who can do it, so I actually resigned that some months. So what I've been doing is divesting myself of those things because I feel more of a burden for study and for doing it. And I'm saying that the Lord's been doing it incrementally. I had a, I had a real burden back in about August. If it was August, no, it was, uh, yeah, maybe it was around August. No, maybe it was a little earlier, maybe in May or June, sorry. And, and I was remembering the brother that had prayed for me and said, Brother Ed, may, that God would lead you. And then I was burdened about this question and other things. And then as I, I actually knelt and prayed on the very place, and as I did that, and I knelt and prayed, and I just poured my heart. It was also a time I was burdened for my son, and I poured my heart out, and, and I, it was about 15 minutes later, I got a text message from... It was actually from, I don't, I don't want to like to mention names, but this was from Brother Ron Spencer. And he said, and it was like out of the blue, and he says, Brother Ed, he said, I just want to let you know, he said that I have a part-time job with my sons in business. And he said, if that's what you need to do, you need to do it. And I said, how in the world did you know? And I said, I just poured my heart out before God. And I said, well, I, and I just shared it with you, he says, he nudged me to do that. Now, I'm not making that my absolute because I also am just going to say this is I have always put God first. And if there's ever been a need, and I'll keep doing that. And so whatever that takes, I'm praying about it. And that's, if that was a, that was a question somebody asked me. So that's the best I can share, being very open and transparent. But, and uh, my wife will attest to it. I'm at home to bugger more often, and, uh, but at any rate, that, that's, that's all part of it. So I, I brought that. I got to keep moving. Okay. Titus chapter 1, verse 4, to Titus, 
My own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause I left thee in Crete. So Paul had these Timothy and Titus, these young men that were, were under the, in the message, and he said that you should set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless. So much of the same language Paul used to Timothy, he brings it here to Titus. As the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. Okay, so I, I, I could take more time. I want to just move along just so we don't keep you long here tonight. Holding fast the faithful word as he's been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped to subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. So he's saying, even within our realms, you're going to find these things. You've you got to have a stand against these things, Titus. So he's telling him that. Okay, this is now going into the message like I did this morning, and I'm going to hold, just take a few of these again tonight. Holding the post of duty, taking sides with Jesus. Brother, I like this message. If you ever go back and listen to it, Brother Branham had a number of ministers that were together and elders, and he started talking, and it was so good. And he said, so what happens when something doesn't work out? He said, it's, it's like a cannon. He says, if the cannon didn't fire, put another one in. Let's fire it again. And, and it was such an encouragement. I heard that so many years ago, and it so blessed me, because you can, you can easily analyze yourself and say, where are you at, and what are you doing? But he just says it in such a good way. Taking sides with Jesus. I'd suggest Brother Neville to be the pastor of the church as long as the church suggests him to be the pastor. So he just made a suggestion. And he said, that's the vote of the church. As long as he holds the post of duty. Okay, so that's good. Now, I, I'm just going to say this this way. Out of all of the offices, we took a situation in the quotes this morning where there was a vote on a church building and the congregation had... Uh, the authority. And Brother Branham went along with it. There are other offices that are voted. There is a trustee office that is voted, but it's not on the same. Now, this is on a, maybe on a higher level. And trustees are absolutely required for the well-being of the church. But it's not actually a scriptural office that you can come back to in, this, in the same way as a deacon's office is. A deacon's office is close to a minister's office, okay? So that's a level of vote that, that would be a situation, a trustee. And then there is also the deacons, okay? But then there is the minister. So a minister is on another level above that. So the Bible or would say gifts and callings are without repentance. 
So the vote is not on the calling. The calling is given by God. The calling is always there. But the vote is on the position that they fulfill. But they have to hold the qualifications. You might have a calling to be a pastor, but yet you're not in position to be that. The calling will never leave. And if you fall, the calling will remain. Do you want a good example? Brother Lineal Yance. Okay? He was a, uh, a minister in the Pentecostal, I think, or denominations, and he was a minister, and, but he had been married before. And when he came to the message, he realized that did not meet the qualifications. He had a second wife. And if you look at him, you ever look, listen to his songs? They're like mini sermons. <laughs> it, it's part of the calling that comes through. You can't stop that. The calling is a part of what God has placed, okay? So we, we recognize that. Now, that doesn't mean there's special exemptions or privileges, but, but look at how it, it, it plays out. So Brother Bram said, I'd suggest Brother Neville to be the pastor of this church as long as the church suggests him. That's the vote of the church. As long as he holds the post of duty and stays with the faith and wants to come and feels the leading of the Lord, then the leading of the Lord for him to stay if the congregation votes for the same. So it puts the two together here. Brother Harold said this some years ago. I, I perhaps didn't understand it so much at the time. But he said, I don't know what will be in this church after. And he said, I could say, but he says, it's not my place. It'll be the congregation's place. Now, Brother Branham could say this. I'd suggest this, but he only he also said in the quotes this morning, I only have one vote. So it's the same, it's the same situation. Church order. May the Lord bless you. I trust you'll be carry, that this will be carried out with the very best of your knowledge. May the Holy Spirit watch over every one of you. May every officer of the church fill his post of duty. Knowing this, that God is going to hold you responsible for how you held your office in the church, each one will have to give an account. Who should be teachers? That's up to you to vote your own teachers in. You ought to do that. Put them in there. Get somebody. Meet with the church. Who feels led of the Lord? Then get a, a qualified teacher. Now, I believe he's talking about Sunday school teachers here. And this will be something for another day. Who, who here feels led of the Lord? If you get a qualified teacher, then let it be done. It's got to be strictly business, brethren. If the teacher can't qualify it to it, then change teachers. This is in, in church order that we just read the little part. Okay, the qualifications of staying with the faith and preaching the word of God. So again, I'm using the same quote. I'd suggest Brother Neville to be a pastor if he feels it. And we've got to have man that we believe that preaches the word of God. If the man don't do it, then get somebody who does it. That's the way we must stand. If the trustee board won't stand for what's right, it's your business to elect someone that will stand for what's right. And when you do it, stay by it. It's up to you. Stand by it 
and all together we're standing for one thing, that's God. You've got to have faith in your pastor as a man of God. If he isn't, he isn't, get him out and get somebody in here that it is. That's right, don't stop the church. That's right, go on. If he isn't a man of God, if he doesn't live and do and act and preach what he should, take him out and put somebody else in who will do it. And you've got to have confidence. This is the house of judgment, the house of God, where God comes down and passes his judgment. Your pastor is supposed to be a righteous man. The congregation is supposed to be with him 100%. You're supposed to be 100% together. And in there, if you're not, then Satan's got a way to get in. You've got a loophole somewhere. You've got to have everything cleared out. Let me qualify this. In the little portion of the tape I played, Brother Branham said, if you see me, referring to himself, doing something wrong, it's your duty to come to me privately and tell me what I'm doing wrong. And he encouraged it. So it's not that you're 100%. Sometimes if, if you come and it's, hey, it's all in how you come sometimes. <laughs> you know, I, I, I related to something outside of church matters. We, we had done a plan for somebody one time and I got an email back. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. I said, we did everything you asked. He said, yeah, but you didn't, you didn't put this door the way I wanted it. And I said, so everything's wrong because this door wasn't the way it wanted it? Well, it wasn't what I meant. I just said that. Oh, well, thank you. There's a book on how to win friends and influence people. Just read it. It's our approach sometimes. If you come and you come confrontational, everybody gets their guard up. But you want to be approachable. You want to talk to one another. You want to encourage an atmosphere of growth. Is that right? Okay, I got a few amens. Thank you. But I, I believe we, we ought not just to be, okay, whatever he says, that's it. I'm going with it. I'm going with it. No, if sometimes maybe God puts a question in your heart, that might be just the thing. And you say, I got a question about it. Well, you know what? Let's clear it up. Let's do, that's what I'm trying to do, even what I'm, I'm saying here today. If there's a question, let's, let's clear it up. Let's talk about it. So, it, it's, you can be supportive, but that doesn't mean you don't have feelings or opinions. Absolutely, every one of us does. And you know what? Sometimes, okay, go to your own household. It's, it's not all like we all agree on things all the time. But yet we live together. We work together. We understand one another. It's the same in a church. Okay. This is still under holding a post of duty, also just having an accountability. By the way, speaking of that paint on the face, you Pentecostal woman used not to do that. What happened? I'm asking you, what happened? You did run well. What hindered you? Did your pulpit get weak? Then Put him out and get a pastor who will preach the truth. Okay? So that, that's, that's an obligation. We've got a standard to preach. Amen. <laughs> okay. I, I, I want to just... Oh. Let, let me deal with this in, in a little bit. These are just some, some thoughts. And 
No, 2 Timothy will actually tell us, it says that we live in an age of lawlessness. And, you know, you used to get on a bus and, and somebody would say, sir or ma'am, you know, youth, but that doesn't happen anymore. Because A, I don't get on a bus and I don't hear it, so. But, but it just doesn't happen. It's not the culture. And, and the Lord corrected me a little bit on it. I, I was sometimes just talking about our politicians and things. And I realized it's not my business to, 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 to be continually, even though I don't agree with it. I, and, 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 but, but to just take the word of God and preach what's right. So if it happens, sometimes it happens. It's not, I'll, I'll just say it, but I, I feel like, you know, there's certain things we need to see. So you can see that all out there and it can be an undermining. And, and if you're not careful, you're planting seeds. And, and if you're, you have children underneath you, you know, you can, you can just plant seeds. And, 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 and before you know it, they're doing the same thing. Just by what we say in our attitude. And Brother Branham would talk about that when Elisha was coming down the road and the children started mocking him and saying, oh, thou bald head. Okay, so it, it tells a little bit about the status of his hair, but it also tells about the attitude that was portrayed and it started in, the, in their home when the parents were talking against Elijah. Okay, so that was an attitude that had begun to spread. So it's, it's, it's something that's, that's out there in, in the day. It's an age of lawlessness. And it's also an age where, because it's like that, you get leaders who exercise control. And, and, and the control that you see that's happening in the world is, is with an anointing and with a spirit on it for a purpose. But it's also something we need to be cognizant of here. The Nicolaitan spirit that began in the first age steadily grew in power and control through the church ages, and it reaches its climax and greatest strength in this Laodicean age. Now we think, oh, that was just way back there. It's gone. No, it's here. Okay? And you say, well, I'm in the message. Okay, we're agreed, but that's where the enemy gets at us too. We must be careful not to think it only affects the nominational word. These spirits are trying to infiltrate and work amongst message groups as well, and sometimes with what appears to be a measure of success. Okay? I'm, and, and just say you travel around the world, you see different things. So the Nicolaitan spirit is one that replaces the leadership of the Holy Spirit with the leadership of man and his systems. This can be an issue in the church several ways. So I put a few things down. The local church, okay, does not answer to outside authority. So we don't have that. But we get pressure put on us. Such and such a church does it this way. Such and such a church does it this way. And, and I, that's a minister I have in high reverence. And sometimes it undermines the local church. Okay, it, it's a pressure of this last day. And I'm not saying that we can't learn. We're a part of a worldwide body. But each local church is sovereign by a vote of the local church. The local elder is that. Number two, local ministers are not to lord over their congregations or be a dictator. Okay? They are not to drive the people. Okay? So you, if, if your nature is, 
You know, we can talk, there's a fight nature or a flight nature or your emotional nature. We have to try to remove our nature, and a certain amount of it will always come out, but we have to remove that to allow the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to flow. So they're not to drive the people. They're not to use human persuasion to bring people to the altar. They are not to put the fear of themselves on the people. Um, Listen, we all ought to say amen to this. Rather, they must let the Holy Spirit lead each individual in that church. They are to present the truth, that's the word, before the people faithfully, and then they must let the Holy Spirit quicken it to them. Thus, it is the Holy Spirit that will lead the people. Sometimes, you know, God makes a service so real, and you think, I'm going to preach it, and, and indirectly you're thinking of a situation, and, and, and it'll change it. And when it doesn't, then we try to do something ourselves. We've got to actually step back from that. As parents, sometimes you, you, if it's something that's affecting the church, you need to deal with it. But as parents, sometimes it's our children, too. As they grow older and they come to a point, you need to allow God to deal with them. You know, and you put those boundaries, but it's a hard thing because you want to go over there and you want to you do something about it because you're men and you fix things, right? But to let the Holy Spirit do it, that's a difficult thing. But it's needed in the home and it's needed in the church. The ultimate is God, the Holy Spirit, dealing with hearts. Finally, no man, not even the congregation as a whole, can tell a minister what he can or cannot preach. That's the problem with denominations. A minister will answer to God alone for preaching what the Lord has revealed in his heart from the Word. However, if a congregation will not let him preach from his heart, this is part of what I related this morning, he should move on and not compromise his convictions. And if the, congreg- if the minister is not preaching what the congregation believes to be the Word of God, they cannot force him to preach what they want, but they must have opportunity to bring in someone that will stay with the word as it's been revealed to them. Any other way of handling these situations opens the door for the Nicolaitan spirit to take over. A man's heart, both the laity and the clergy, is for God alone to deal with and lead. Okay? Ephesian church age, I'm going to have to move quickly on some of these. This is, I'm not going to maybe go through this, but reading in the the bottom yellow, I want to say I believe in leadership. So he's talking about that spirit that came in just so subtly, so this way, and, and he says, it's subtle, but I want to say I believe in leadership. It's not the leadership of men. I believe in the leadership of the Holy Ghost coming through the Word. I believe also that God set men in the church, men who are gifted by the Spirit, They will keep the church in order. I believe that. Now, this is not just ministers, although the focus is here, but it's also on deacons and all of us, as we shared this morning. I believe also that the church is ruled over by men that God sends to take charge, but that rule is by the word. It is not really men ruling, but the Spirit of God for the word and the Spirit are one. The correct leadership. Rejected king. The kind of man that people like to choose today. The, church, the people does not seem to be satisfied with the way that 
God placed his church to be governed and controlled by the Holy Spirit. They want somebody, some man, some denomination, some certain people to govern the church that they're not able to throw themselves completely into God's hand to be spiritual or to be led by the Holy Spirit. They want somebody to do their religion for them, somebody that will tell them just how to do it and all about it. So this is just another side of it. I'm not saying we have that problem, but we can lean that way. And if, you're, if we're legalistic, we'll just, we'll just roll to that side, but we don't come and try to bring the balance of the Holy Ghost moving in the middle of that. We like to choose people to control our churches, to control the church of God. Nothing I have to say against, just merely to make a point. It is not, it was not, it never will be the will of God for such to be. God is to rule his people to govern each individual. Greater than Solomon. I'm going quickly with a couple of these just to get to a finishing point here. And he says, the pastor can't do it himself. The laity has got to help in this. We're all a partner. That's what started the chaos at the first time at the Nicaea Council. They wanted, when the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, Nico means to conquer, laity means to take away from the laity, make a holy man. That's not a holy man, holy hill. It's a holy God, a holy God amongst people. The laity has part of it. We're children. There's no great ones among us. How can you have faith when you desire respects from one another? We're all one in Christ Jesus. We're no big men and little men. We're all the same. We're children of one father, and we're his children. Right to the end time, Laodicean age. In the end of this age, the same Church of Pentecost will start doing the same thing they started back here, Nicolaitans. Oh, God, let me keep my mouth shut till they get to that. How many remembers when Brother Branham in the church age message, he would refer to the messenger of the age, and he comes to the Smyrna church age, and he talks about Polycarp, this great man of God. And he says he was just a shining light. But he says... That was not who the Lord led him to for the messenger of the age. He said it was Irenaeus. Irenaeus was more militant against organization. And he said, because that was the spirit that was working and Irenaeus was against it. So it was, that's, that's what he determined. So it, it is something that we, we, we want to keep in mind. And he says, at the end, you know, it, it comes through Luther and all of these things. It smothers it right down, almost completely gone, just a little teeny bit there. And when he screams that if he don't cut the work short for the elected sake, there'll be no flesh saved. See, there you are, right at the end time. Bear that in mind. Okay. Um, he says, whatever starts in the early church comes to the end. Naked, latent group. I'm going to move on. God hated what was happening people being subjected in some way to something absolutely contrary to the word of God. And he says, it, the church is made up of two vines, and these vines are going to be fighting till the very end until they're, uh, uh, the false vines are going to be fighting the true vine until it's destroyed by God. So you say, well, we're not in that? No, but we also have to be vigilant. 
we have to say, Lord, we want you to rule, to reign. Okay? In the last age, he says, under Nicolaitan, it says, the oncoming of the church starts pulling itself away from the word. Uh, they drift away from the pattern of the word. All it takes is just one word changed, and that little leaven then leavens the whole lump. He that offends in one point is guilty of all. Eve just changed one word. Okay, so clergy pastor taking all the authority is wrong. Okay, he said, now Constantine used this strategy to take all the power from the lady. They had no thinking of themselves. He said, they, neither did they have any right to interpret the scriptures. It was all to the priest. It was to do the interpretation of the scriptures. And it says, the understanding belongs to the priest. The congregation doesn't need to read the Bible. They don't have to do nothing. The Bible's kept from, I think there's an obligation to study the message. How will we ever know if what's being preached if we don't study the message? How will we ever pick up on anything? I, I think that let's all be in this. Let's, let's listen. I, I, I just walked the other day. I went for a walk for about an hour and a half, and, and I listened to the whole message church order. And it was, I thought, wow, it just did something for me. Not, not just to search out this quote or search out this quote or pick a little here or while I'm driving, but just to absorb it, to let it come and let it minister to us. I believe, if we really believe it, rapturing faith is laying in the messages. That's what we, we believe. You take the Spirit away from the congregation, put it all in the pulpit. I believe there are, we want a liberty. And, and whatever it takes, and I, I thank God for the other ministers that we have here, I believe God's been raising them up, and it's part of the whole ministry. It's a part of a team, and each one brings something to it, and we thank God for it. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to go a little further. It just uh, took the part of the pastor dictating, but congregation dictating to the pastor is, is wrong. This, this quote really struck me. It said, idolatry can take over. All the preachers under the great heavy load, as the prophet said, give away because the people demanded it. So this is the reverse. It's not a pulpit down Nicolaisen, but it's from the bottom up. And, and it's a pressure on the ministry. And sometimes the ministry needs to stay separated, not to hear all of the noise, but to hear from God. And then to come out for, with God and say, this is what God has spoke to us. Not just to take what they're doing. And here, Brother Branham brings it. He says, preachers under a heavy load because the people demand it. The people demand it and the ministry gave away to it. That's the way it is today. Many good preachers bend under the load because the congregation calls for it. Okay, I, I, I'm not trying to make a situation, but you need to preach this, you need to do that, or you need to, you, 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 you can't preach. Sometimes that becomes like all these voices, and we say, Lord, help us to hear your voice, that we can preach it uninhibited, what you have for us. So he says, they'll walk out of a church, you know, and ministers bend under that load. Brother Branham, how can we, or a deacon, keep order in the church? Should we keep order or wait till Brother Neville tells us what to do? That isn't Brother Neville's job. That's your job. Okay? It's not Brother Neville's job to tell a deacon what to do. And then he says, 
don't tell Brother Neville what to preach on or how to preach it. That doesn't mean you can't communicate or ask questions. There's a balance here, okay? Importance of keeping the unity and continuity in the church. He said, Brother Branham is saying they're having some re-elections, and he said, and the church needed a little meeting, a little stirring. They've always been kind to me. I've appreciated it. So I was to find out, get our church straightened up in its boards, and then for the elections and so forth. And I thought, after that, I'll go out, I'll get a little rest and go in the, in the field. So part of the same quote, keep it amongst yourselves now. It's not for outsiders. It's for the tabernacle. We want a meeting with this tabernacle so that everything and every mistake and all the things that's been carrying on and maybe, he says, little feelings from one to another. You know, sometimes that the devil, it's, it's not really as major as the devil makes it. But it's a little thing. And Brother Branham says sometimes you feel like you got a little thing with a brother or you got something. And, and he says, but watch what happens when something happens to them. And he said, if your heart doesn't reach out to them. He says, then you know there's still something underneath that you have that feeling for them. But, but you, we, we can, we can, the devil can magnify the outer and, and cause us... And, and we're prone sometimes as human beings to think the worst or to think the, the negative. Sometimes just to, 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 to clear the cobwebs and say, what, what is really behind something? I think that's necessary. Communication is required. And Brother Bram's talking about the tabernacle. The tabernacle, yeah, it happened there too. He says, and he says, I'm, I'm going to... Little feelings, I'm going to get to every one of them and bring them right face. And if you don't want to face it, you better leave the country. Brother, like that's pretty militant almost, it would seem like. If you don't want to face up to it, because you're coming to face with every bit of it like we used to do here at the tabernacle. And all will be smoothed out because we're brothers and sisters who's broke communion, the body of Christ, across the table of blessing. He said, there's nothing that the devil would make anything that would be wrong and cause feelings or tear up. And I'm taking our brother Neville and we're going from place to place and bring people together till the old tabernacle's back established again on its feet to go along for the kingdom of God. Churches go through ups and downs. Ups and downs. Families do. We as individuals do. And we just need to all be there to help each other. This is under continuity Instead of having a foundation of my own, I passed it on to my church because it's automatically a foundation. And, and I, I won't read all of it. He said, it's, uh, I don't want to make an organization. If you'll just keep it the way it is in the hands of God so that we can move on for the kingdom of God. Now this morning he talks about how he had everything set up. He's talking about how they moved from not just having appointed trustees, but to elected trustees. And that's another thing that, if, if the Lord be willing, we'll, we'll get to. And he said, your name's on the books. And he said, so we want to have the church set up, get all the backgrounds. And he says, then we can have a revival as it comes on. The Holy Spirit was given to the church to govern and control the body of Christ. I think in doing that, with that in mind, and God's program will never be successful no matter how good our intentions are till we get back in the center of God's program. I think I'm almost at the point where it's, it's enough here. I wanted to just take this for a moment 
because th this was not a, not a quote, but it's rules without relationship results in rebellion. So if it's just rules, and this really goes along with what you were ministering, Brother, Brother Philip, um, how Christians should be established. I'm gonna, I want to just refer to this as a diagram. Okay, so this is a marital relationship. This is a husband. And this is a wife. And it, there's a lateral relationship that goes between here. And if your marriage is founded on, okay, here's our marriage vows. You promised you'd do this. If you're reading that every morning, I would say your relationship's not very strong. Okay? It, it, like, and if she's repeating it, yeah, and yeah you're, you're okay today. It, it's, it's not just that. So that's a relationship that needs to be there. God ordained that. Okay, now, in Ephesians 5, and I'm not bringing this completely to the same level, but that also exists in a church. Okay, so it's not just the rules and everything. It's the lateral part, but it also has to be a relationship upwards. Okay, so then it's a commitment to God by the husband, to the man, it's a commitment to God by the woman, and it's a commitment to one another. And it's easier to make the commitment to one another when there's a commitment to God. Lord, I want you in this home. It, it wasn't a good week. This happened, you know, something such and such, but I'm committed, Lord. And then that commitment laterally can work better. Okay, so that, that can go, and as, as it goes better... If you take this triangle going up, you know, if you're down here, it's, it's a long ways to make the commitment work. But if you get closer to God, it gets easier to make the commitment to work. And, and, it, and it works that way. So a, a couple of points here. And, and this is because there's, a, there's a something to the relationship. 1 Corinthians 11, I would that you know that the head of every man is Christ the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is, the, is God. So if you take that same triangle, okay, take it this way, and okay, the woman, she, she gives herself to the man. The man gives himself to Christ, which, which is God. You know, it, it comes that way. But I, I want to just draw a couple of things here. It, it doesn't mean that the woman doesn't have a relationship with Christ. She needs a relationship with Christ. If you're coming to church and that's your only relationship with God, there's something wrong. It needs to be, this needs to be there. And the man cannot be so controlling that he says, I am the head of you and you need to listen to me. The man needs to foster this relationship too. So is it in the church of God. It's not all about, these are the rules, you obey, I'm the power. That isn't it. That's all wrong. And I'm trying to bring a relationship here. So, so here is, here is what, what, what has to happen. But there's an onus for this to work in all things. But when that woman is connected with Christ, it's easier to submit to what God has. And God will honor that and bless that. Okay? Now, I, I'm going to just take a scenario. If the man is a very controlling man, or the woman has been in a relationship that was mistreated by a heavy-handed headship, then it's harder for her to submit. And the minute something comes up that feels like it's that pressure again, it can result in one of two things. Rebellion, or it can result in 
cowering down and, 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 and being nothing again. But God doesn't want that. So we've all had relationships that have not been good or that have affected us differently. So if, if that woman will, will take and recognize, okay, it's like the woman at the well. She was with in six other relationships, but when she met Christ, she could give herself to that. Now, it's not in, in a physical way, but I, I, I'm just saying is when he comes, he makes it easy for us. Lord, I, I commit myself to you, okay? Now, if, if that is the case, sometimes maybe the man isn't strong. And the woman says, okay, I'm going to take care of this. Well, I, I, that's not the correct relationship here either. And, and she says, well, he didn't take it last time, and I got it done, and, I'm gonna, and if I have to do it again, I'll do it again. Well, that starts to feed into a wrong thing, too. So, and, and I, listen, I, I trust you see there's a balance in all of this. But there's different scenarios here. So it's, if it's all on a leader and not on, and I'm just using this, and a woman is a type of the church. We, we had a brother years ago, Brother Jeremiah, he spoke, and he spoke on the church shall be saved, no, the woman shall be saved in childbearing. And it wasn't, and then he brought it to the church level, and he said, it's not that the woman wasn't saved, but he says she fulfills her part, and he talked about it spiritually, a church that's giving birth to children is a church that's a healthy church. It's a church that's growing. You know, when, when we can actually, it was, it was really good, Brother Marshall, when we were out, you know, when we were out at the, the little witnessing thing, and we're all there, and we're focused on all the people outside of us, it actually brings life. Amen. It brings it into your conversation. It brings it into who you are. But if, if we're only focused inward, we, we just be, you know, we become like Brother Branham talked that, that, that tree that used to have leaves, now it's packed cactus and it's got pins everywhere. I say, God help us. Let there be an inflow and an outflow. Let it flow in, in, in relationships and in homes. Let it flow in the church. Let it be that. So the relationship, you know, if, 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 it's, if, it's, if it's the husband that was very domineering and, and bad relationship, it's harder for that woman to submit. If I, if I be honest, there's some people who've been bruised and, and, and have a hard time coming to church. And I'm not just talking about here. I'm talking about different places because of, of different situations. It's, it's not easy to do it, but it's still God's order. And we want to have the right kind. And, and not one of us is perfect. We've all made mistakes, every one of us. We've done it in our homes and with our families, our children, even, even in different things. But this is the way God wants it to be. That's the real relationship. So it's not just down here. You can take all of these rules and make it just down here, and you miss this. This is important, very important. So he says, and he's talking about the church. This will be my last one. Musicians can come. We cannot, salvation is an individual affair between every person and God. Not with our nation, with our church, but with ourselves before God we answer. The church is just a place that we come to maintain our relationship with God. It's not our only part with God. 
If it is, it's got to go beyond that. Okay, maybe I've kept you let Let's stand together. And uh, let me just finish with this. He says, you walk, you stand alone with you and God alone. Not you and the pastor, you and God alone. Not you and the deacon. Sometimes you and your wife, you and your husband, but you and God alone. Often when Brother Harold would do a marriage ceremony, he would come to the part and he would talk and he would say, now he said, don't let anyone, talking to the couple, get between you, you and your spouse. Don't let your uh, father or a mother or a friend or, and then he would actually bring it right down, don't let a church, don't let a pastor. But he didn't say anything about a John Deere. Now, just threw that in, sorry. <laughs> Listen, I believe that we want to have that relationship with God. How many desires that? I, I believe we do. Church is a gathering place where we come in one common grounds and worship God. Amen. Let's, uh, let's just turn that PowerPoint off. We're done with that. Let's sing a few songs and we'll have you dismissed. Thank you for your patience today. That was a lot of hay on my fork, my pitchfork. Yes, it wasn't a regular fork. It was a bigger one today. But anyway. What are we going to sing, Brother Jeff? <laughs> Lord, help me run in this race. There we go. <laughs> Lord, help me run in the race. Help me not bring you disgrace. Help me Yeah.